Pedersen scores! Surveys, nowhere to go, and back in the end zone, touchdown! What a catch by Tyler Lockett! Oh, uh, hello everybody. Welcome to episode nine of the Avid Discussers podcast. It's your boys, Joshua Ray, alongside Ty Party. Ty, uh, how are you doing today on this great day? I am doing awesome. And I, uh, I'm assuming you're feeling the same way with hockey coming back up. Yep. Um, hockey's coming back. The 32nd NHL team has been revealed. And uh, sports in general uh, are coming back. Got the NBA returning and the MLB as well. So nature is healing, if you can say something, say that. And the Vancouver Canucks are going to play an exhibition game on the 29th, I believe, against the Winnipeg Jets. And I guess in the next few days, they will be heading to Edmonton for the, the, the playoffs and the play-ins. So um, the Canucks have been... Sh- shuffling their lines throughout training camp and makes us wonder what our ideal lineups would be for the Canucks. Um, Ty, you want to start us off? Um, well, oh, wait. when yeah, I see well, the Canucks, I think, uh, I think you definitely got to start with like JT Miller and Patterson together. You know, the results have really spoke for themselves. So I think whoever is on that right wing with them, um, you know that that line's going to perform because of those two, regardless. So, like, even if it ends up with like Vertanen, I'm not saying I want Vertanen on there, but like, even, whoever's there, basically, I'm saying like that first line is always going to perform. I, I think we're we're you, you, most conversation you have with this team, obviously, is probably centered around like the third and fourth line. Um, I think with the way that you saw Bo Horvat play with Tanner Pearson, um, the other thing that I wanted to bring up to people though was. Last year, you saw Horvat's numbers with Antoine Roussel. So, like when I saw them go back to that a little bit, uh, I actually really like that because I, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. But like Roussel and Horvat, well, they were controlling play at a really good rate last year. So, if you go, I think the way that he ha- that Travis Green kind of outlined it is probably the best way in a sense that Vancouver can get depth with what they have because they obviously don't have a very deep lineup compared to like a contending team, but the way that Travis Green really had it was a way that they can almost compete with any team because of the depth, and 
you know, hope that Pedersen can kind of carry whoever he's with. And then you have like a Godet who has, then, you know, you, you upgrade Godet in the sense that you have uh, JT Miller and Tyler Toffoli on the wing with him. So I didn't mind that. I think with the defensive pairs, you got to look at like how, I, I think in in the best world, you don't want Tyler Myers in the top four. And, and, and essentially that's just because they don't really have a guy that can pick up for his defensive play. So if you go with him in the top four, it's just because uh, it's because you're going to prioritize your offense and not care about your all around game, I guess. And so like going like a Quinn Hughes and Tyler Myers paired is like fine, but I guess like I'd rather see, I'd rather see like Stetcher in the top four because I think he deserves to be there more. And realistically, Travis green has, he cares too much about, uh, he cares too much about Chris Tanev to put him in the bottom pair, I guess. Uh, so I, I think, like, realistically, something around... I, I want to see... I, I like what he went with, but, like, I, I think the fourth line, you kind of have to just stick it, I guess, with Beagle, in a sense. Like, not that I'm a fan of him, but, like, he's not moving anywhere, really. I think some combination of, like, Beagle, Furland, and, like, Mott or Erickson. And, and you know that I'm I'm a big fan of Louis Erickson already, in the sense that he controls play really well uh, in possession wise. And, you know, on defense, he's, he's fairly good too. And, and offense, he, he drives play pretty well too. So, well, excuse me. Um, in terms of like a fourth liner, like that's all you can ask for. Yeah. It's not ideal. He's making 6 million, but like, he's totally fine on the fourth line, given how good he is. If we take salary out of the picture. So I, I think, uh, I think the tough thing is, is, is determining do you want to beef up the top six and just live and let die to bottom six? Or do you want to have a, a three lines that can play and rotate those three lines? That's kind of what I think it comes down to with the Canucks. Well, you got to put Elias Pedersen and JT Miller together because the chemistry has shown all season. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And uh, you could put, you want to try Tyler Toffoli again? Uh, with them, or do you go back to the lot of line with Brock Besser? Both options work, and um, you can always shake things up. Um, but the top six, um, you got Horvat and Pearson together. It's pretty much figured out. It's all about the bottom six. Like, where does someone like Antoine Roussel go, or uh, Zach McEwen if he makes it in, or even Tyler Mott? What about Louis Erickson? Maybe I would go with um, Godet, the third line center. Uh, go with um, Antoine Roussel on the wing and Vertanen on the right. And Godet and Vertanen, they've shown um, they can play well together, so you might as well put them there. But the fourth line is where things get even more interesting. Um, does uh, If Brandon Sutter is healthy, where do you put, put him? And... Uh, doesn't look like Josh Levo will play at the start of the qualifiers from what I've heard, so we can leave him out of the equation for now as well as Sutter. Well you gotta put Beagle on the on the fourth line as center, because that's pretty much what he's there for. I mean you could also Louis Harrison we harp on his contract a lot, but as a fourth liner, he's actually not that bad. Um if he was making one million dollars a year um, we'd be to- saying totally different things about him when he's making six. Uh, he isn't bad defensively. 
And just as Jason Bosworth said, he does the little things. And if there's an empty net, of course, you can always count on him um, to be on the ice when the net's empty. And Tyler Mott, uh, pretty, um, he's a pretty solid fourth liner. He's got the speed, does score some from time to time, but he's more effective as a penalty killer. And I think he's pretty underrated. So you probably go on the fourth line, Erickson, Beagle, and then Mott. Or you can even uh, put in Zach McEwen for um, an extra spark. So it'll be interesting to see what Travis Green does with the lineups, but that's just my ideal lineup. And for the defense, um, I would like to Tyler Myers to be on the third pair because that's where I think he belongs, but he has looked good with with Quinn Hughes, and Quinn Hughes pretty much masks all his problems. So uh, let's see, is it, could it be hmm, Edler? And then Tanev, Hughes, and Myers. Then you could put someone like Fantenberg and Stetcher together. Or even throw in Jamie Ben. Uh, Jordy Ben, excuse me. But uh, that's how I would do it. And um, I think that uh, Stetcher should play with Edler. I think I like him with Edler. He's pretty effective. They are, I think they are pretty effective together. They were when the, before the season got shut down, but that would be my ideal lineup. And of course, you got Jacob Markstrom in net with Demko as his backup. I think, like, realistically, when you look at, like, Erickson, like, I, I looked at the numbers that you're talking was uh, he's he drives play offensively and defensively probably better than anybody outside of like maybe for Pedersen in terms of a raw numbers standpoint like not like the quality of shots but just that like um, he's second on the team in driving shots for and he is second on the team behind Quinn Hughes in, in shot suppression so like realistically he's a really good two-way player but like uh, when you look at his, you know, the quality of shots, you know, obviously he, he drops a little bit. Um, but it, it's looking at him that, like, he's driving play really well. That almost, like, even, like, in this series, necessarily, because the Wild aren't, like, a very fast team. That, like, I, I'd almost, like, rather have him on the third line than Vertanen. Um, the other one is is obviously McHugh, and, and, and I was talking to Drance about this, was you look at McHugh's numbers from a whole, right? So, like, the whole season... They're obviously not that special. Um, and then he, then he pointed it out to me. He said, like, you know, most of those numbers are coming from uh, the part of the season when, when they, when uh, I think for whoever got hurt and, and, he, and he got caught in a top six role, thrown right into it right away. And so his numbers were not very good. I think he had like a 30 to 36% shot share, which is relatively close to what Jay Beagle has. So that's just good for context. And, and then he went, I think he went back down to the AHL. He comes back up. And they put him more in more in a sheltered third line role, you know, he plays physical game and you know, his, his matchups aren't as tough. Whereas like with Horvat, he's, he's facing the top line and, and it's just a, it's a big jump from the AHL level to the NHL level speed. Um, then he gets the easier competition, the whole bit. And you look at his numbers from a bottom six standpoint, he's, he's like a 60% shot share here, very small sample size, but like those are very promising numbers for a bottom six. So I almost think like, Realistically, if Vertanen is like has all these problems that like 
you know, behind the scenes we don't know about it. Is, is Green just pushing him, or are these legitimate problems that um, we, we could see McEwen playing the right wing on third or fourth line and, and Erickson playing one of them too? So it, it's a big question, obviously. That is a big question, and uh, we, we're not sure what goes on behind closed doors. Uh, Vertanen has taken a lot of heat during training camp, especially with Horvat yelling at him and all that. But if Green does take him out, you got to put in Zach McEwen. Um, uh, you never know what he could do in the playoffs, and this is someone um, who can uh, become be an X factor in the playoffs. And same with Vertanen too. But uh, knowing Travis Green, he might uh, bench him for the first game, thanks to um, whatever's going on behind the scenes. But uh, McEwen on the third line is not a bad idea, and I'd totally go for it. And he and Gaudet, like the last few games before everything just went shut down, uh, he and Gaudet uh, proved well offensively, and uh, that, it would not be a good idea either. And um, speaking of McEwen, let's move on to what um, who would be our X factors for the Canucks in the playoffs. And Zach McEwen. Uh, the name that's already we've already brought up. So, uh, Ty, who do you think um, could be X factors for the Canucks in the playoffs? I think when you're looking at like a, uh, what's the best way to put this? When you're looking at like an obvious one, right? It's it's obviously you know you look at guys like Tyler Toffoli or JT Miller because they've uh, like when I look at JT Miller, drives play insanely good on offense, a great complementary piece to, to Pedersen in a sense that like. Um, you know, he, he's driving, uh, so f- compared to the mean player, like an average player in the NHL, the average number, he's driving four more shots, uh, shot attempts per 60 than like an average player. That's the best on the Canucks higher than anybody else by almost by an entire shot. Almost. Um, then you look at the quality of shots for the expected goals for he's third on the team, right? Only behind Pedersen and Horvat and he's Tywa Horvat. Um, so when you look at like a guy like him, like JT Miller is, he's secretly doing all the things but obviously i don't agree he's the unsung hero but um i i think like you see a guy like him that like, he's secretly doing all these little things to make petterson shine and it's and but then when i look at like somebody like uh alex edler like he's can he's secretly been very good offensively and another guy would be troy stetcher because of his two-way play and i, I think realistically also i look at a guy like uh, even Zach McEwen, if, and I say this because I, I think if he's in a bottom six role that he could be very useful. And a lot of people are pointing out their shooting percentage. And for me, I look at like a, I look at like an 80, I look at like an 82 game season when I'm evaluating a player. I don't just look at like, okay, if he's in this situation, he's obviously better. But then if he's this situation, he sucks. Like I kind of like to have a full sample size of everything. And if those numbers are apparent that like, say he, you know, he wasn't very good in this situation, but you know, he was really good in this situation. And like the numbers are very obvious between the two, you know, I'll take into account that. And so with Zach McEwen, a guy that, you know, he was not very good in the bottom six, but he's, uh, or no other way around. He's not very good in the top six, very good in the bottom six. So like, can he, is that just like noise in a sense that it's such a small sample size of, of games played? Uh, I, I think we really have to figure We haven't figured that out with McEwen, but, Drance is pointing out to me that like those numbers are legit, and uh, 
basically like he's probably pointing towards being an everyday NHL player at this point from what we've seen of him in the bottom six. I, I think with a guy like him, like he, he's a very physical player and and if we if his numbers are you know relatively similar to what they were in the regular season, the bottom six role, he could be a really a really big player in this in this playoff series. Yeah, totally. Um other X factors would be obviously Jacob Markstrom, uh voted as the MVP, though uh many others beg to differ, but I agree with that. Uh, he has had his struggles throughout training camp, but if he picks off where he left off before the injury, then the Canucks should be in good hands. Of course, you can't forget uh, Quinn Hughes. Uh, there's not much to say about him. JT Miller, Tanner Pearson, and Tyler Toffoli, they've got that playoff experience, especially the latter two, because they've won a Stanley Cup. So they could potentially be an X factor. And uh, if he's healthy, which we don't know if he will be, Michael Furlan could be one too. And we have all know what he can do in the playoffs. We have all seen it when he was with the Flames against the Canucks. He can hit, he can score goals, he can be the agitator if he's healthy once again. And we don't know if he will be healthy, but I hope he is. Um, uh, someone like Adam Gaudet, uh, my opinion, the unsung hero. He could also be uh, an X factor for the Canucks in the playoffs because he can... He um, shows up um, when the when the Canucks need him most, and of course you got a guy like Tyler Mott, um, very effective fourth liner, great on the penalty kill, and uh, you never know. So pretty much anyone could be an X factor for the Canucks against the series in the series against the Minnesota Wild, and that's coming in like less than two weeks, I believe. So we can't wait for that. Anyway. Um, Big hockey news yesterday. Seattle gets cracking, literally. So Seattle uh, is the 32nd franchise in the NHL, and the name is the Kraken. For those who don't know, Kraken is some kind of like sea monster squid from Scandinavian folklore or something. I read it somewhere. And honestly, I've been high on that name for a long time. And the logo looks great especially the secondary logo where the, the the top is supposed to be the space needle. And I think that looks so cool. And the jerseys just look so phenomenal. So the Canucks have a new rival and it's their closest, going to be their closest rival. So a lot of Kraken fans or I should call them the crackheads will uh, come down here to Rogers arena for games against the Canucks or the Canucks could, Canucks fans can invade the Climate Pledge Arena, or as I like to call it now, the Crack House, for um, for cracking games. So uh, it's going to be a cracking good time with with uh, Vancouver and Seattle. And I um, wonder what the ri- rivalry should be called. Like the Battle of the Pacific Northwest, the Rain City, um, the Rain City rivalry. Battle of the I-5, Battle of the 49th Parallel. It's going to be great. And uh, now the Kraken got to do is uh, find ways to steal a player from every team. But uh, overall, uh, welcome to the NHL, the Seattle Kraken. Can't wait for them to play games against the Canucks. And 
It's going to be fun. It's going to be a cracking good time. Ty, do you have anything to add on this? Sorry, I was on mute there. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, I mean, like, at this, I, I just think this is going to be, it, it's kind of it's pretty awesome that in the sense that, like, you're going to have, I, I think, like, it's going to add in some of those East Coast teams. Like, say you're a fan of Toronto, like a hardcore fan of Toronto. Like, you know, the the, uh, the West Coast swing and the whole bit, like, on a really long road trip, when they go, like, Vancouver, Seattle, and then, you know, hit the California sweep and come home, like, that would be pretty sweet if you, you travel that and do that a road trip. Oh, yeah, it would be. And uh, we can take the train down to Seattle. for That would be pretty awesome. For, for a cracking game. Like, could you imagine a bunch of Canucks fans on a train just getting off? Like, the arena is going to be a bit further from the train station. So, uh, yeah, I guess you have to take, like, another, like, transit or whatever. Say, but, say you go down there for uh, a hockey game on Saturday night. And then the Seahawks game on Saturday, the, Sunday. Catch Seahawks on Sunday. Or, uh, you know, that's same my goes dream for, weekend. Yeah, so, same goes for it with, uh, say, what, what if they played, uh seattle in the playoffs that would be pretty damn awesome. oh that would be pretty cool and uh what would like would there be more vancouver fans in seattle or seattle fans vancouver <laughs> if they play each other in the playoffs oh well, i guess we're gonna find out uh oh boy it's uh the mayor's already been because us. because here's the thing though it's, it's like seattle it's gonna be so cheap for them to come over here <laughs> yeah and uh like it's, it's gonna be like i don't know like say like what what's a relative like value for a playoff game maybe like 160 bucks maybe for an upper bowl yeah it's, like it's quite for, expensive for here Canucks. yeah i'm pretty Canucks. sure it's so like cheaper there 70 percent cheaper probably or seven or 70 percent of that i mean sorry <laughs> not 70 percent cheaper 70 uh, percent of that uh probably and uh so like realistically it's like spending like and that's for a playoff game if seattle comes down here so like ah uh, i don't know like because like a couple of years ago, I was looking at doing it for Arizona when they were in the playoffs. Because their their tickets are so damn cheap there, like it would have been the same to fly, same price, almost like fly down there. And uh, my uncle's down in Arizona. I stay in stay at his house and go to a game, and it would have been like the same price for to buy a playoff ticket for Vancouver. This is like ten years ago, but ten uh, years ago, then. yeah, like that's how cheap Arizona's tickets are. So like I don't know, like Seattle's a relatively good sports market. That oh. their tickets are probably pretty damn expensive though. Yeah, Seattle is a great sports town. Um, you, uh, you listeners probably know that me and Ty are fans of the Seahawks. Um, they got the Mariners down there, though they haven't been in the playoffs since 2001. Uh, they got the Sounders, the MLS team. Don't expect team. them to be back there either. Well, I don't expect them to be back there either. If we're, talking, if we're talking about baseball a little bit, I mean, you know, we'll go into that next. But uh, Yeah, we'll go into looking, that next. Looking forward to that, I'll say. I, I've, uh, I've got a couple bets I placed down today. I, I could share those on the pod for tomorrow, I guess. Oh, yeah. And well, uh, I'll, t- I'll talk a bit about my uh, I'll talk a bit about the NHL bets. You know, I've been looking into the series a little more from the numbers too. Oh yes, who else does, does Seattle have? Uh, yeah, they got the Sounders. I guess the recent MLS Cup champion. They're and, a good team. Yeah, they're a good team, and uh, completely asked with the Whitecaps a few days ago, but somehow the Whitecaps are moving on. After beating Chicago, I haven't even I haven't even been following them, but I've just seen the amount of tilt that that has happened from Seattle, like the Whitecaps, and it's just like every Vancouver team just like literally doesn't matter who you cheer for is the exact same result. It's just like you know all hope you have for the team just like goes completely out the window <laughs> when oh, yeah. things you start things start to it's turn. It's the hope right? that kills you. And uh, Seattle's uh, they used to have the SuperSonics. Now they're now the Oklahoma City Thunder. 
but they deserve their basketball team back too. So I, over- I'd exp- I'd expect Seattle to get a basketball team back soon. Um, I, I think the big selling point will be it, it, whether how the season tickets look for Seattle's hockey team, and that'll be a big selling point uh, in, in getting basketball back. Because like you know there are legitimate players that are saying like we need it back in Seattle. Like Kevin Garnett said, like, yeah, Kevin- he, if he had enough money, he'd buy it. He'd buy a Seattle franchise. Yeah, then Kevin Durant too, because he played his rookie year in Seattle before they do moved. You see, do you see like I, I don't know how many years I don't know how, how many years does Katie probably have like eight left? Something like that? Probably. I'm not sure. But he's, uh, he's thirty one, say he plays to like thirty seven. Could you oh. see like a couple of guys like playing like going back and buying a Seattle franchise, like combining together? Hmm. Like I like basketball, like realistically, like he, he's not going to play past 40 with the injuries he's had. So like, I, I think, uh, I think that he's got one more contract after this. And then you could say like a bunch of players group together and buy a CL franchise. It's not out of the question, obviously. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, the Kraken, um, it, it's going to be great with them. Um, uh, the, it's, uh, they're going to, now they're just getting cracking on um, which on the expansion draft, and uh, the jerseys look great. The logo looks great. Yeah, uh, I, I can't wait to go down to a game um, for a Canuck game against in Seattle. And um, there's a possibility for like a Stadium Series game or a Winter Classic uh, in Seattle. You never know. There could be one at Safeco or at the Clink or at the University of Washington. Uh, that would be fun. But anyway, let's move on to some baseball. It's back, uh, surprisingly. I did not expect it to come back over the last uh, few few months, but here we are. And uh, I love baseball. It's a it's a it's a good sport, uh, though it can get boring at times. I'll admit. And the Jays, uh, believe they're going to be playing in. Uh, uh, they, they wanted to play in Pittsburgh, but that's not happening. And it looks like they could be playing in Buffalo. It's Buffalo. Yeah, it, Buffalo. It, they got locked in recently. It's Buffalo. Yeah. Opening day was yesterday. Uh, the Yankees, they beat the World Series champions, the Nationals. And, the, wow, the Dodgers just crushed the Giants 8-1. So, uh, that, that's, not even, that's not even really a surprise. So, I, like, the Dodgers... Really if you're if you're looking at from like a pure talent standpoint, I think the Dodgers are, are quite clearly the oh, best yeah, team are. in the league. But um, they're I mean, my World Series pick. I I think like the other thing you got to look at though with the Dodgers is like in baseball, like you can relatively predict who is going to make the playoffs. It's just um, in a se- again like any team you need to have a lot of luck, but again you have to be good to get that luck. So I, I think it's hard to, pre- to I think if you're looking like. Like easily, you could see like, what if the Yankees get hot and the Yankees, you know, bats get hot? That like, I don't know if the Dodgers necessarily have the bats to match them outside of their main core. Um, but I think like that, you know, the Dodgers obviously have better pitching than the uh, than the Yankees. And I mean, like, I also look at like the Astros, and even through their cheating scandal, is that they still have a pretty damn good team, but. Uh, I, I think I think it really comes down to you know even Boston's another sleeper even though they lost bets like they still have a lot a lot of really quality talent over there too um, and, and, and there's like 
their sleeper picks like the Reds in the sense that like they have a really good team if they get on the good side of variance that they, they could go on a run to. Oh, yes, definitely. And speaking of bets, uh, I've heard they the Dodgers locked them up for for 12 years. Uh, it's good on them because he's probably the best player in the majors. That would probably be the equivalent of like locking up. I'd say he's probably like the fifth best player in baseball. So probably. like uh, probably locking up like a Malkin or something. Oh, yeah. Hockey, hockey equivalent probably. Probably. So, so it, it's a. Yeah, if you're trading like for a guy like that, I mean, you, you pretty much gotta say like we're locking him up as, as and you know he's gonna play the primers career out in L.A. and then in baseball you're gonna throw those guys in the minors and pay him out. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. The the There's no cap in baseball. Oh yeah, that's if, the only thing I don't, don't know. That's the only thing I don't like about baseball. There's no cap, no salary cap, and uh, that's why I, I, players that's the are thing, I, they, the only contracts. thing I don't like about baseball. That's the other thing though is. is you can't do that in like hockey. I think like realistically the best the best situation for anybody is a soft cap. Like what ba- what basketball has. Yeah, they have a soft uh, cap. So realistically you don't get hurt by you, you can go a little bit over, but it's not like you can go over absurd like the way the Yankees in Boston do in, in Chicago and it's just not fair to these other teams. Yeah, you like, got the o- rip- Oakland can't compete with anybody yeah. because they have no money. Yeah, there's remember Moneyball. There are rich teams, there are poor teams, and then there's us. That's Oakland. Well, you could see like like in hockey, if there's if there's no cap, like Toronto, Montreal, those teams would just be miles ahead of each other, and then like you'd have like a team like Minnesota or something where like they couldn't compete at all, or Florida yeah. even. And the Blue Jays, um, as as we're recording this, they're going to be playing the Rays in two hours. Never like the Rays. Three forty. Yeah, three forty. Never liked the Rays, to be honest. That to me, they're like the Minnesota Wild of baseball. What makes you hate them? Yeah, they're just there. <laughs> what the makes boring. you hate them, though? I don't know. Just a boring team. And uh, I am sure they were good. Yeah, they were good. They were good. Uh, I'm not gonna deny that they were good. And they I, I, the, the thing is, the Rays that I like is that they they really embraced analytics because they didn't have the money to compete with any of these teams. And you know what? They pretty much almost made the like they they came in and they broke the traditional rules of baseball in the sense that they, uh, you know, they do this opening starter thing so that their uh, pitcher wouldn't have to face the top of the order when he came in. Like they they were just doing all these little things, heavily embraced analytics with how they were shifting and the whole bit. And they got these value contracts. Um, I, I like what they've done in the sense that they can they don't have the money to compete with the top teams, and that's why like I don't hate them at all. Like then I look at it baseball, like the teams that I hate. I hate the Yankees, and I mean, I don't mind the Cubs. Uh, you know, I don't hate the Cubs at all. Actually, I'm not, I, I take that one back. I hate the Yankees. I hate Boston, and I, I mean, I, I dislike the Dodgers because of the sense of how much money they have. But I, I really like a guy like Clayton Kershaw. I'm a huge Kershaw fan. Yeah, Ker- I'm a big Kershaw fan, too. And the Jays, um, I'm, to be honest, uh, I don't expect them to make the playoffs, but... No, they won't no, make they it. Won't. Sorry, <laughs> no, they won't. I can't wait to watch. The only, uh, reason, only reason they're gonna make it, if they make it, it's because they bring Pearson up, and Pearson's a legit ace. Yeah, legit. Uh, Ryu, Ryu pretty much repeats what he's done. It, the only does. thing that I don't like about about Ryu though is basically he's not a strikeout guy. He's more like a, a pitcher that he kind of has to count on count on a really good defense, and the Jays can provide that. He's gonna be an ace, but I don't know, like. <sighs> 
like the Dodgers just have like a lot of more pieces than the Jays have, I guess. In yeah, that they, sense, that they do. But, well, you can't watch. You, you have to. Sorry, go on. Can't wait to watch uh, Vlad Jr. and Bo Bichette. Uh, speaking of Bo Bichette, uh, Twitter was filled with Bo Bichette puns um, the last few days, thanks to this. Uh, Can you explain this to me? Okay, I'll explain this to you. So, um, this um, woman, uh, uh, podcast host, uh, Jordan Cicelli, uh she hosts the Ball Girls podcast. Uh, good on her. And uh, she um, tweeted this Bo Bichette joins a frat, Bro Bichette. It's like a pun, a play on words with his name, and then for some reason that blew up. And you got like Fox Sports uh, making these names, these puns, and the Blue Jays themselves. Um, uh, some people love it, some people hate it. I, I'm in between. I love it and hate it at the same time. And uh, it, it just took off. And for the Canucks, Quinn Hughes puns have been popping up. I even made a few myself, like Quinn Hughes... Quinn Hughes uh, drinks a beer. Quinn be- Quinn booze. Quinn Hughes listens to Origin of Symmetry. Quinn Muse, for example. It's a. Uh, uh, I don't know. I I I think it's I think it's great, and uh, there are some really creative. Um, there were some really creative puns on there, which we'll get to in uh, the best and worst of Twitter. Uh, but. Um, she, Jordan's all like, uh, you can't stop me with these. I'm going to make some more. Um, uh, she made one, she made one on Mookie Betts, like Mookie Betts listens to Green Day. You call him Dookie Betts. Uh, it's, I mean, I'm all for puns, but, uh, some of them are just so bad. Some of them are really good. Well, I'll just say that. Anyway, um, Ty, do you have anything to say about this? I, I don't mind. I don't mind it, but it's just uh, I don't know. I never, I never hopped in it for a reason. Let's just say. <laughs> okay. Um, you want to talk about your betting now? Uh, yeah, explain this whole betting thing to me and like why I should do it. You you want to hop in? I mean, I'm just I don't know. Degenerate. I just, I just I'm, I'm I, curious. I, don't know, like, just, I mean, like since like the Canucks basically sucked last couple of years, so like I've just I've kind of taken up this a little bit. You know, I bet like a couple bucks on the game, make it a little more fun. Let's say like you know three or four bucks. I'm not. I don't have the money to spend as much as these other guys. Let's just say, but um, you know, one of the lines I was looking at really, if we're if we're talking picks, was uh, I keep talking like Carolina's line is is way too low compared to like you know Pittsburgh's line in, in terms of betting. I think they're. I don't know. I don't know exactly what it was. I think it was like there were they were one twenty favorite, which you know is almost even compared to the other team. So basically, I don't know the best way to describe it. The uh, I think they're like I don't have the I don't have the numbers in front of me. Sorry. If we're looking at a pick, I'll just pick, I'll just basically list who I think is going to win. I don't know the exact. I don't can't find the numbers in front of me. Um, okay. Okay. Pittsburgh, Montreal. I think it's pretty clear that Pittsburgh's going to win, but the amount of money you'd have to pick for to pay off for Pittsburgh is obviously not, not ideal. Uh, Carolina, I think from what I was looking at earlier, they were much lower. So I, Carolina is probably my favorite bet if I'm picking anybody so far. 
in the sense that the Rangers have the defense. They don't Rangers don't have the defense to cover up for their offense, even though their offense is, you know, relatively close to what Carolina's is. It's just that Carolina has like that same level of offense and like a way better defense than the Rangers do. So I feel relatively safe, like the over in that game, because they're both very good offenses. Uh, Islanders versus Florida, that's another, you know, very pick 'em game in a sense. Um, I like the I like the under in that game because both teams don't really score at all. Both teams, you know, I think the I think the Islanders are lean there because the Islanders are an average team and the Florida's an below average team. Uh, Chicago, Edmonton, I think it's pretty safe that we can say Chicago is going to win. And Calgary, Winnipeg, they can probably again pretty safe that that Calgary is going to win that game in the sense that I was looking at it last night the. The offense for Winnipeg is just not there. Um, if Calgary stays with the box, uh, Winnipeg, you know, really has nowhere else to perform. Like they had a good power play last year, but uh, even strength, they're you know probably a bottom five team in the league, which which is crazy to think with all the talent they have. But it's just the result. Um. Wow. Um. So, uh, you what's the betting company that so they pretty much got in Calgary? What? Uh, what was the betting company that you use? Uh, uh, use the sports Action or what? Bet365 was what I used. Oh, that. Uh, Pinnacle is another good one for Canada because it's not American money. Okay. And, hopping uh, in for a couple of bets? Not <laughs> I don't know. I, I, uh, uh, it's best to it's find still, still a week away. It's still a week away, right? Right. Uh, I'm not the betting guy. Um, I do like brackets, but uh, I, I'm, I suck at those. Like last year's NHL playoff brackets. Completely bombed. I got a couple of those going. And uh, March Madness, I, I, my bracket gets busted every year. Not the best at predictions, but uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll bet like when I get enough money, like one dollar. That's it or something. That's it's all you need. Just a little. Just have some fun, man. Yeah, like I think won't uh, hurt, but yeah. Uh, so so either way, either way with like Calgary again, we feel pretty safe with them winning too. I think that if if I'm parlaying one, I, I really like to start off with, with Carolina and Calgary because their lines are lower. And, and you, then you could throw in, you know, again, we feel pretty safe that Pittsburgh and Edmonton both win their games that, um, you know, we, we probably throw those on top, do a three parlay with Calgary, Carolina, and, and one of Pittsburgh and Edmonton. The thing with Florida and the Islanders, I think it's just kind of a pick em game that we just really don't know what's going to happen. That's a problem. That, that Florida's, off, Florida's offense, they've been scoring a ton. Um, but the numbers kind of just just suggest that it's like they shouldn't be scoring at all. And again, I don't trust Bobrovsky at all either. So I think I just lean with the Islanders. But again, it's it's a weird, weird, both weird teams. So I, I think if I'm talking about three favorite, obviously Calgary, Carolina, and then one of Pittsburgh and Edmonton. All right. Well, maybe I'll get into it. Maybe. But anyway, I'll, I'll move on to something. Got to get off. Uh, you know, Chelsea Football Club, they lost to Liverpool uh, 5-3, and I had enough of their goalie, Kepa Ariza Balaga. I defended him all season, and uh, I can't do it anymore. The man can't stop a beach ball to save his life. And uh, the worst part is, I can't believe uh, Chelsea paid 71 million pounds for this guy. Ugh. He is the world's most expensive goalkeeper and the most expensive player Chelsea have bought for now. Uh, 
Like, we got to move on from this guy. And uh, Frank Lampard, from what I've heard, he's furious with him, and he wants him sold too. So I don't care. Sell him, loan him, uh, get him away from this team. He can't, he can't uh, stop a ball. And statistics show he is the worst goalie in the Premier League. Uh, he's faced less sh- shots, but he lets in so many goals. Like, uh, in the game against Liverpool, in that free kick, uh, he didn't even move. Like, he just stood there. Like, oh, uh, what's that? Is that, is that the ball? Ugh, he, like, uh, 71 million pounds for this guy. I, I'm done defending him. Like, seriously. At least move when the free kick's coming. And uh, don't just stand there. And as a goalie, you got to, like, communicate with your defenders on the corners and all that. And uh, he doesn't do that at all. And, uh, like, he's, like, he's too aggressive um, when he's in net. And uh, he's prone to these mistakes. And I don't know. He just can't stop, stop a ball this season. Uh, sure, he had, like, last season that penalty shootout against Frankfurt. That was his highest moment. But especially this season, other than that, uh, he hasn't been good. I want him gone. Simple. I want him gone. And uh, Frank wants him gone. So Chelsea can go after a guy like Jan Oblak or Andre Anana. We'll be much better options. Because uh, we can't, Chelsea can't compete for the title with this defense. And if... Uh, we continue to have Kappa in net. <sighs> My God. Man can't even stop. Stop a ball. But anyway, let's move on to something I've been discussing with like people close to my life. Like, What's something we will do more of once this pandemic ends? Like, For example, I'm going to go out more once uh, everything's safe to go out more. I'll probably go out to bars more. Uh, I'll probably... Uh, go maybe i'll even try clubbing even though it's not really my thing and uh of course um if i make enough money go to sports games more because uh, i've only been to three Canucks games in my entire life been to one white caps game and i've been to two lions games uh the canucks have won two of the ones i've been to the lions have won one both have won both of them, and the Whitecaps, uh, when I saw them, they lost. So I'd probably go down to some Canadians games, too, at the, at the net. I don't know why I didn't do it last summer, because tickets are like $15. Um, may, and, of course, go down to Seattle for, for a Seahawks game. I don't care if it's like super high up. I got I to gotta go to the clink. I got to. And uh, hopefully I'll go to more concerts, because I, well, I haven't been to one in my life. But, uh, hey, if Muse comes comes to town i i am definitely seeing them and they need to play vc plays because they you know they are the probably the best live band on the planet like the theatrics uh with the drones in the air matt bellamy's voice the guitars uh and all the pyrotechnics and the light shows like you gotta go to a muse concert even though you don't like their music you gotta our president that would be my rule ty do you have anything to add uh, I think uh, it, it, it's kind of like the thing with with COVID is that everything you respect, you haven't been able to do, right? Like that you just take for granted in a sense. 
Um, I think that I'm not going to take that for granted. Let's just say anymore after, after going through this, Um, you know, even if it's just going to the movies, uh, that's one of the things that I probably say the, I want to be at that first connect scheme when, when everything kind of gets back to normal and there's a vaccine. Uh, I, I I think that that I I really want to be there. I think obviously going on trips again to the States when it's not a mess down there, <laughs> um, that I really like to, I was gonna, supposed to go on a couple of trips this summer. Um, obviously got canceled because of COVID. I, I think just kind of stuff like that, really. Yeah, I definitely go to the movies more. I love to watch movies, especially in the cinema. I'd even do it alone. Um, like I, I'll watch more of the movies that are like less mainstream. Uh, this might sound like a little edgy, but like the movies that, get nominated for Oscars and all that, that a lot of like people don't know about. Like, sure. I love the Marvel movies, but got to watch some like, but, but a lot of people call real cinema and definitely trips too. hopefully go down to the States once everything's not a mess there. But when is the States never a mess? Uh, it's just, just saying anyway, um, I'm going to go into break and then our feature guest this week is Matthew Zader of the hockey writers. I promise that you'll never find another like me I know that I'm a handful, baby, uh I know I never think before I jump And you're the kind of guy the ladies want And there's a lot of cool chicks out there I know that I would psycho on the phone I never leave well enough alone And trouble's gonna follow where I go And there's a lot of cool chicks out there But one of these things is not like the others Like a rainbow All right, guys, joining us for our featured guest this week is Matthew Zader. He writes about the Canucks, the Giants, and the NHL draft for the hockey writers. He's also the director for the hockey part of Overtime Heroics, where I wrote briefly for a few months, and is the host of the Canucks and Pucks podcast. Matt, how are you doing today? Doing well. How about you guys? Uh, We're doing great. And... Um, so the Canucks, um, uh, training camp, uh, is just about to wrap up or is close to the end. And, uh, Matt, uh, how excited are you for hockey to return? Oh, I've been wanting this for months. So, I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a long off season that was un unplanned, but, uh, it's great to have hockey just around the corner a week away from a little less than a week away from our exhibition game. And then, uh, and then we'll get going against the Wild. So it's, it's definitely exciting. Okay, yeah. Uh, Matt, how did you get into hockey? Like, when did you become a fan? As far back as I can remember, I uh, probably the biggest memory that I remember is the 94 playoffs for the Canucks, and that's my earliest hockey memory. But, yeah, since then, I followed the Canucks, followed hockey uh, pretty religiously, and uh, – yeah, anyone that wants to talk about it, I've talked about it. You can ask my dad about that. So, <laughs> um, at one point, like when you were, we usually ask all the writers we have on, is when did you, uh, when did you determine, you know, I want to write about hockey and, and share my, you know, expertise of the game and everything. Um, I'd say, well, the last couple of years, I've gotten really intense into it. Uh, biggest uh, starting on uh, Canuck Way, I uh, was the, was my start. And uh, very grateful to the guys over there, uh, David Quadrelli, who was instrumental uh, with my development and 
Uh, Chris Faber was huge when I started doing the, just thinking about doing a podcast and um, then got on the hockey writers. And since then been kind of blown up from there. A lot of great guys over there that uh, helped me out. And yeah, it just taken me a while to get, uh, you know, my passion for actually writing about it. But, uh, and now that blogging and podcasting is such a big uh, thing in the media, it's, it's, uh, it's gotten me into it a lot more and I'm happy I'm on the journey. And do you want to make this a career for you or is this just a side gig? No, this is, this is ultimately going to, uh, I want it to be my career. I've been in retail way too long and, uh, done a few other things from the past uh, with teaching and, uh, and then into computers for a bit, but, uh, ultimately this is what I want to do with my, with my career, with my life. And, uh, Hopefully everything goes, uh, you know, on the up and up as uh, time goes on here. And when we're we're talking more like the Canucks side of things, uh, obviously very close to the season coming back. Uh, what do you expect from the Canucks looking at this series? Well, I mean, Minnesota Wild aren't going to be easy to beat, but uh, you know, looking at the depth the Canucks have uh, on the forward lines, and then I'll uh, we'll talk about him later. Probably is uh, Michael Furland, who's uh, healthy finally it seems and he could be a really big difference maker in this series coming up too so uh with the guys like Quinn Hughes uh, looking stronger uh, Elias Pedersen looking stronger than the regular season that's exciting for the Canucks and and even looking at Brock Besser of how his shot seems to have returned in training camp and if that all kind of goes right I mean the Canucks are, are a deeper team and a more skilled team than the Wild definitely younger as well and what's one thing the Canucks have to be careful with uh, from the Minnesota Wild? Maybe that could be a particular player from the Wild? Um, well, Kevin Fiala is, <laughs> it was a thorn in their side during the regular season. Uh, I'm still going to look to him. He's probably going to be uh, at the forefront too. And I mean, their goaltending uh, could be a difference too. Even if, you know, Staloff may start the series, but uh you know, Dubnik has shown in the past to be uh, a really elite goaltender too. So I think Canucks still have to be worried about the Wild. They're still a great defensive team. And if they get into a point where they can't score goals, that's that's going to be a problem. And obviously, we, we kind of got a big dilemma, let's say, with the bottom six of the right wings. Uh, what would you say between, you know, Jake Vertanen, McHugh and Erickson and Sutter, uh, in Ferland even for that matter, uh, what to make its bottom six? I mean, I wrote an article not that long. It was yesterday about this as the bottom six of the Canucks. I mean, they've got so many possibilities uh, in that lower part of the lineup. I mean, uh, you're looking at guys like McEwen's kind of throwing a wrench in it by having such a strong training camp. Uh, he could be a factor in the series. He may even start the series on the fourth line. Um, I mean, looking at even Louis Erickson, I mean, we like to joke about him and not, you know, kind of ride on him, but the thing is, is he, he had a really strong training camp too, and he still has those skills of penalty killing and, uh, you know, the little things that we say with him. And uh, I still think, you know, even if guys, I mean, everyone's going to have to step up during these playoffs. You may need uh, guys like Erickson, Brandon Sutter, uh, guys like that to make a difference in this series. And uh, you need everybody. And you write about the Vancouver Giants for the hockey writers. And uh, my next question is from, uh, a listener on Twitter, diaper filled piss baby at seven eight nine. <laughs> I know. And the at seven <clears throat> seven eight nine zero one two Annie. 
my God, what's with the numbers? Ask. <laughs> who is a Giants young player that can have an impact next season? And is it Memorial Cup or bust for the Vancouver Giants next year? I mean, the Giants are they're an interesting team, especially with how the WHL in general, of how, you know, with COVID, of when they're going to get started, uh, what it's going to look like. Um, I'm, I'm looking to, like, I don't know if he's going to be coming over from Sweden. They've just got uh, Fabian Lysel, uh, uh, you know, on the import draft this past uh, WHL import draft. And he's an exciting player. He's a guy that comes over. I mean, look to him to be a you know dominant player right off the bat. Um, I'm hoping he does because uh, he would bring a lot of excitement uh, to a city that's you know the thing is is for the WHL to thrive in this coming season, um, they need fans in the stands, and he'll he definitely bring that. Uh, looking at an, a big conversation is going to be in the off season is, is regarding Jacob Markstrom. What do you think is a market value contract or, you know, one that the Canucks could pay him and be a fair contract for their team? Markstrom. I mean, the Canucks, I think definitely need to re-sign him. I mean, Thatcher Demko is going to be the future, but I still think the Canucks should move to actually get him back. I think, uh, five, I mean, market value, you're probably going to still looking at a five, six million dollar contract. Um, you know, in pet, looking at the goaltenders around his caliber and how he's progressed. Um, the Canucks are going to have a hard time fitting him in, but uh, I still think you're, you're not going to get him for less than that. And um, the Canucks signed um, top defensive prospect Jack Rathbone to an entry level deal. and. What do you think his potential is um, for the NH when he can, gets into the NHL? I mean, I've, I've been a fan of Jack Rathbone since he was drafted by the Canucks. Um, how he can move the puck, the way he skates, uh, and his hockey IQ are just off the charts. And I'm very excited to actually see him sign after some rumors that maybe the Canucks aren't, weren't going to be able to sign him. But, I mean, the thing is, is he's going to be a difference maker uh, coming right out of college i mean just his skating ability he's not at the same level as quinn hughes obviously but i mean he's still going to be a dominant defenseman in the league especially with the way he passes the puck uh, through the neutral zone and and skates it too like just watching clips of him in college he rarely dumps the puck in he always either skates it in or passes it um and that's what the canucks need on the blue line they need to be able to uh have defensemen that can do that not just quinn hughes because I mean, Hughes is just one guy. You need more than that uh, going forward. Sorry, I was on mute there. <laughs> um, uh, do you think that Cole Lynn will eventually crack this lineup, you know, in the upcoming season? And, you know, secondary, obviously. You'll only levy the same question. Will he crack the lineup soon? Cole Lind, I think, will be one of those guys that will be uh, main call-up next season. I don't think he'll have a, a spot in the lineup right away, but it's very encouraging to see him uh, in Utica this past season actually make that uh, some significant strides in his development of playing, you know, that game that he had in the WHL. Uh, you know, I mean, as a second round pick, he had a little bit of a letdown season in his first season. But the thing is, is he's usually a sophomore uh, surge type guy. He doesn't have a great first season in his, you know, in a first league when he comes into it. But, uh, he's such a, you know, he's such, he could be a difference maker in the bottom two lines 
when he comes in. And ultimately, he could even be in the top six. But I don't think uh, next season will be his, uh, you know, season that he'll play the full a uh, full season with the Canucks. But he's definitely going to be a main call-up. As for Olielevi, it's very again very encouraging to see him in training camp, kind of progress. Didn't have a lot of big moments in training camp, but that's just not the defenseman he is. I mean, he's more of that guy that's you know solid in his own end, passing the puck out of his own end, and and uh, but it's nice to actually see him progress, and hopefully he can actually have a spot in the lineup next season because uh, you know we kind of grind on him too. Uh, being a fifth overall pick and not, you know, not progressing as much as some of the other defensemen that were drafted after him. But I still think he's he's going to be a very key defenseman for the Canucks going forward. And um, what are your uh, ideal lines for the Canucks heading into the Minnesota series? You don't have to answer this in, com- in full if you can't think of any. Um, ideal lines. My, my top two lines are like what everyone's been kind of going for is, uh, you know, to Foley, Pedersen and Miller. Uh, I was kind of partial to putting Besser back there with the lotto line and all that. But I mean, putting Besser with Horvat and Pearson, that kind of creates that second wave of attack that the Canucks uh, need. Uh, third and fourth lines. I like, I really like that McEwen, Roussel, uh, Gaudette line. But now that Furlan's been put there in the last scrimmage at, I really like that line is that agitating two-way line that can, you know, score some goals, uh, be a physical presence down low. And then you got your fourth line of uh, Mott, Beagle. And I want to put McEwen on that right wing. Uh, but I, you know, looking at Green, I think he'll probably put uh, Erickson or Sutter just to have that defensive presence and, you know, face ability from Sutter. Um, I want McEwen there, though. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, and then, obviously, looking back into the series again, like who do you think an X factor could be, like a, a Troy Stetcher or or one of those guys? I mean, I wanted to say Jake Bertanen. I was kind of pushing hard for him before training camp. Uh, I kind of started that he was going to be an X factor. He may ultimately come into the lineup and be that. I'm hoping, but now looking at a guy that hasn't been really talked about is, I mean, yeah, like you say with Troy Stetcher. I mean, really haven't talked about him at all during training camp, but. I mean, he could still be a defenseman that could, you know, make a difference, not scoring, but just being that uh, solid guy down that third pairing. Um, as for forwards, now that Furland has kind of looked really, you know, really good going here, I, I think Furland's going to be that X factor that uh, could ultimately turn a series, especially if he's, if he's going to be as physical as he says he's going to be uh, in his interview today, uh, saying he's going to hit hard. So, if he can be that guy, that's that's a difference, especially for the for uh, you know a series that may be t- a tight series uh, as it goes. Have to agree on that. And uh, Ferland has looked great in uh, today with the scrimmages. And uh, oh, yeah. let's hope he can uh, actually stay healthy. And he could be a factor for the series. But um, I want to ask you, who do you think will be the Canucks' leading scorer in the series against the Wild? I'm I'm going with Elias Pettersson. Um, I was kind of between JT Miller too, but Pettersson's look in training camp. He's just looked. I mean, we are we're kind of expecting him to be otherworldly a lot of the time, but I mean, in training camp, he was looking like he's ready to go. He's ready to uh, dominate a series, and he can definitely do that. Um, Quinn Hughes 
has looked again, he's looked amazing, uh, you know, ever since he started in the NHL, but he's looked even stronger in training camp and, and through the scrimmages and not saying he's going to be a leading scorer, but uh, he's going to be a solid, uh, uh, you know, being back there as well, especially on the power play. And uh, what are your thoughts on the new Seattle Kraken? <laughs> Seattle, I actually like their name. I, you know, look at all the other names that I've kind of put forward. I didn't really like any of them. Um, they've already got a tagline and uh, released the Kraken, and their logo and jerseys are actually are actually a lot nicer than I thought they would come out with. But uh, yeah, I actually really like it. And do you have any bold predictions for the playoffs? Like among the other teams that are competing? Um, bold predictions. I'm going to say the Columbus Blue Jackets are going to surprise again. Um, I don't like Tortorella as a coach, but, I mean, he's kind of got that team uh, working on very good defensively, um, you know, and they have some underrated players. And, again, they're going to be healthy. Um, I think the Blue Jackets are probably going to be that surprise team in the East that could come out of it. Um, the Boston Bruins, just as a bold prediction, I think they're going out uh, right away in the first round just because of all their uh, issues that they're having uh, with injuries. I mean, if Pasternak does come back, uh, maybe. But, I mean, uh, we don't like the Boston Bruins, but I, I'm going to say they're, they're not going to go as far as everyone kind of thought they would in the, you know, just going through the regular season is how dominant they were there. But after this COVID stuff, I... I think they're a little bit different. You got to look at all the teams differently now. I got I got a second that that, uh, that answer. Um, what what makes you hate Tortorella as a coach? Is it is it just his his mentality, or is something deployment wise that you just don't like about him? I I mean I I've, I think most mostly how he dealt with stuff in in Vancouver, and he had that one year. Like he's been a good coach in the past with the Lightning, and then with the Blue Jackets here, and. I don't know what happened to him in the year he was here, but I think he's just got that left that bad taste in my mouth. I can't really shake it. <laughs> well, what was it? Then he, you could tell he didn't really want to be here, and he just he just came here anyway because like, he's like living in Point Roberts and the whole bit. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Doesn't didn't seem very committed to the job. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. And, and moving into the next one, we gotta make this a regular. We're making this a regular question. You know, baseball's back now. You're coming up to bat. Doesn't mean you don't have to make any comment if you play baseball or not. What's your walk-up song? Like you're getting fired up, just about to go to bat. What's the walk-up song? <laughs> um, I don't really have a one that I want to say. I want to say "Shake It Off" by Taylor Swift. Not a bad answer. <laughs> I would. I would have thought. I who did we have last? We had Mac Miller from. <laughs> yeah, we had Mac Miller. Now we have Taylor Swift. Um, I mean, it's not a bad answer. Well. <laughs> uh yeah and uh still haven't listened to her new album but uh, i'll do that after we record this but um good last question <laughs> is from uncle elite he asks why did you block him why did i block that guy yeah <laughs> um i think it was some comment he made on one of my posts and i'm like what I, it's like it wasn't very intelligent and as looking back i just don't really i could have muted him i guess but uh yeah, ultimately, I kind of just uh, blocked him. Well, uh, anyway, Math Matthew, thank you for uh, coming on Avid Discussers. And uh, it was a fun chat. And listeners, um, 
Uh, check out Matthew's work for the Hockey Writers and check out his own podcast, uh, Canucks and Pucks. I was a guest on there a couple of weeks ago, and now I'm returning the favor. Yes, that's nice. Uh, Matthew, do you have any last comments or anything you want to say before we wrap up? No, just uh, very happy that hockey's back and we're able to watch some uh, some live Canucks hockey rather than just looking at highlights and talking about what ifs. Uh, it's going to be just great to watch some hockey and uh, do some articles on uh, stuff that's actually happened, not just interviews and training camp. All right, um, folks, you can follow Matt uh, on Twitter at MatthewZaderSC. And Matthew, thanks for, for coming on. It was a pleasure. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Yes. All right. Thanks. He rocks in the treetop all the day long, hopping and a bopping and a singing his song. All the little birds on Jaybird Street love to hear the robin go tweet, 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 rock and robin. Tweet, 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 rock and robin. Tweet, 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 Ever find yourself reading some Randall's tweets and you can't believe such a person would exist? Here's one for worst. This guy, Andrew Bosa, he tweets, Roses are red, violets are blue, F the haters, respect Jim Benning. Jim Benning knows cat management as well as anyone in the world. And then best mode, screenshotted um, Bruff's tweet and just uh, replied with that. Uh, Yeah, like, first of all, the poem doesn't even rhyme. If you want to do a roses are red, violets are blue, you got to make it rhyme. It doesn't rhyme. And uh, for a guy who spends a lot of money on fourth liners, um, he sure does know what no cap management because he spends a lot of money on fourth liners and overspends on Tyler Myers. But uh, I digress. And here's one: someone in Guelph says Scotiabank and Guelph refused to let me without any flip-flops on this essential business. My money. They refuse to let me in on an empty bank without flip-flops on. I have very pretty feet, and they were paint, painted a bright red, and I have a diamond toe ring. How rude. Pretty much making fun of all the people who won't wear masks. Like, seriously, wear a mask. It's not that hard. And then we got one from Primetime Snoop, a legend. Here's his three key takeaways to avoid COVID-19. One, Cactus Club is nice, but stay home and eat roti, whatever that is. Two, those strippers' butt cheeks are soothing to slap, but stay home and watch porn for a while, or you can play GTA. There's a strip club in there. Three, sit at home, drink, BBQ, do drugs, kiss your dog, not randoms on the street. All right, Snoop, take your word from it. Don't know what roti is, but whatever. And uh, someone shared a picture of uh, an elementary school test saying, Bobby has four dimes. Amy has 30 pennies. What child has more money? Then the kid answers with Bobby. How do you know? Show your thinking. Then he just draws himself thinking about Bobby. Why didn't I think of that when I was a kid? And uh, Michael, the Leafs IMO, says Seattle's Kraken's mascot has been leaked. And it's Squidward dancing. Seriously, if their mascot isn't some variation of Squidward, they're doing it all wrong. And someone named Vision noticed that if you put the Kraken's logo, the Avalanche's logo, and the Stars logo, it spells sad. And uh, Steve Dangle posted a tweet of his dog Iggy. 
and his newborn son, Leo. Very precious picture. Very wholesome. And someone tweeted this picture of when all the girls posting about the 10th anniversary of One Direction, but no one remembered the 800 second anniversary of the siege of Damascus during the Second Crusade. How dare they? Very historical event. And uh, uh, I'll end it off. Uh, well, this one was just uh, a few hours ago. Andrew Walker, Sportsnet 650, says, Russell Wilson naming his kid Win is the most narcissist thing I've ever heard. Uh, the most narcissistic thing I've ever heard. Embarrassing. Might as well have gone with Kraken. Then the Canucks Reddit experience screenshots Walker's bio, and in which reads, King of Vancouver Radio. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit rich coming from from you, Walker. But Ty, do you have any before we head into questions? Uh, I've been uh, I've been off Twitter a lot this this week. Let's just All right. say. Let's uh, get into questions. I've taken taken a little bit of a break from it. I've I've been on I've been on saying my little my little posts and the whole bit, but haven't been engaging with those trolls lately. Okay. Um, all right, we got one from. We actually got three this week. Diaper filled piss baby at seven eight nine zero one two any friend of the show. He asked Ty, "Do you collect the hate the tears of your haters and make G and T's with them?" Obviously. All right. Uh, Asan Ahmed at Ace one zero three one nine six. Geez, what's with the numbers in your bios? Um, asks, with the expansion draft coming, would you trade a draft pick or other asset for Seattle to take Myers? If yes, what's the maximum you would give? It's a good question. Well, I, I, I have to lean with no because it's just, it's not... Uh, it, again, you're going to have to give up an asset for somebody you literally just signed. and uh, I, I think like... Uh, I don't think I could give away a first, but in a sense, like it, it just really just shows how stupid Benning was for signing that contract because it's going to pretty much hamper them into contention window. Either way, you're going to have to get rid of them at some point. So maybe I'd actually maybe consider it because realistically, you're going to have to get rid of them either way. Like you're not going to contend with a six million dollar Tyler Tyler Myers in, I'd say, two years. He's going to be in the bottom pair, and you're already seeing glimpses of him, you know, getting moved to the bottom pair. I think at some point you're going to have to get rid of him because you're not going to contend. It's going to be the same way that the Patrick Marlowe contract was in Toronto, that they won't be able to contend with him. So uh, I'd probably say second-round pick I'd probably go to. I'd probably go with a second-round pick at most. I'm definitely not getting rid of I, I can't. I can't give up a first. Like that's, no, we, I can't. If you're at the end of the first round, you know, if you're like a playoff team already and you think, okay, you know, we'll get rid of Tyre Myers, like... Yeah, if it's like a 25th pick, yeah, I can do that. But like, realistically, the Canucks are probably like an average team. So again, we can't project them to have anything better than, than you know, at most maybe an 18th, 19th pick. Like at most, we can't project them to have any anything, you know, worse than that in terms of, you know, how late they pick. So you, your first round pick is still pretty, you know, it's a significant piece you're giving up for them to take on a contract you just literally, you know, sold your soul to get. I mean, yes and no to this question. I'd do it. Um, I think you'd, you'd have to because you'd have to look into it because 
realistically, you know, how many he's got four more years left. So like at most you're going to have maybe one or two more years before he declines. Is, is it five? Like he's already declining. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and it's scary to think of near the end of that contract, you're going to have him on the bottom pair. So realistically, either way, you're going to be paying, you're going to be paying a significant amount to get rid of him for, you know, some cap team to take him, or you're going to end up with him on the bottom. You're going to get rid of him now. And so, I just worry that this is going to end up with like the way that like Florida did it though. So like, that's why I just like, don't want to get rid of him now because uh, I, I think that the most likely scenario was that our, one of our goalies is lost. Yeah, and probably. We don't, I, we, don't, we don't lose anybody else other than that. Here's the thing though. Like situations like this is how Seattle is going to be like Vegas if they're smart. And I was looking at it like, you know, they'll probably, end up relatively like close to what Vegas is if they're smart because teams will be like, yeah, here, take this contract and we'll give you this. But then, you know, all of a sudden there's prospect pool and their asset pool is stacked because there's so many picks. And then you end up with like, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if say they end up with like Eric Carlson or Brent Burns, like one of those two, I really wouldn't be surprised at all. And there's another thing like Seattle's a very going to be a very head, heavy analytics team. Um, would they be willing to take Myers? who the analytics say isn't very good. So that's another factor. But let's move on to the last question. The, pro- the problem with, with the analytics of Myers, right, is that the analytics would say that he's very good at driving offensive play, right? Except his defense is so terrible that it almost like any good he does with his offense, it's not, it's not very good. But if you say he's, he's paired with like a – you know, a guy who's who's really good at, at driving defensive play. It kind of kind of offsets, really. So, it, it, you know, maybe they look at it that way, that, like, if they find the ideal partner for him, it's a really good match because he drives offensive play at, at like, a good rate. It's just the Canucks don't have anybody that's, like, really good in that sense of driving defensive play outside of Quinn Hughes, and, and it's not worth it offsetting Quinn Hughes because of how bad Myers' defensive play is. So... I think like they, if they're smart with it, they can make it work. But again, they probably look at Myers's contract and they're like, you know, this guy's like market value is like two million. Like, there's no reason for us to be paying him six. All right. Uh, last question is from Bchap at Bchap nine 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 nine. Jeez, what's with the numbers? How excited are you guys to see Mike Tyson get in the ring again? Well, for one, I'm surprised he he's even stepping back in. He's fifty four. Uh, I'm not sure if his body's same way it used to be, but uh, yeah, um, I like to see him fight again, and maybe, maybe we could bet money on, on, on a fight, and uh, I'll probably watch some some boxing. And the only boxer I really care for is Manny Pacquiao because I'm Filipino, but uh, Mike Tyson's a legend, so uh, I can't uh, deny his greatness, and uh, I can't pass up uh, watching him fight. And he hasn't fought like in over a decade, so. That'll be fun to watch. Fifteen years he's fought hasn't fought since? Yeah, two thousand five is when he last um, fought. I think I think he wins in three rounds, that's my guess. Yeah, wouldn't be surprised for that either. But anyway well, he, he's fighting he's fighting a guy that's fifty one. Like I, I think it's it's pretty safe to say he's he's done in three rounds. Either way, it'll be fun to watch. A uh, fight between two middle aged boxers, uh, that that'll yeah. be a treat. And um Anyway, um, that wraps up today's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, give us feedback on Twitter and on Apple Podcasts. You can um, 
find us on Twitter at JoshuaRay91. Ty is at TeaParty21. And the podcast is at Appet Discussers. Uh, same handles for Instagram. And you can also find us on Facebook, Avid Discussers Podcast. You search it up. And uh, I want to announce that um, with hockey returning, Ty and I would like to do some periscopes, uh, some live periscopes on Twitter, like for like a few minutes after every Canucks game to discuss um, the game. I mean, we are Avid Discussers. We're going to avidly discuss the game, uh, share reactions and all that, maybe interact with you. Um, I'm going to f- try to figure out how this Periscope thing works because uh, I'm not sure how it works. I'll probably ask uh, Sean Warren of the Area 51 Hockey Podcast. Um, shout out to them. They've done great stuff. So um, look for that um, once hockey resumes. And that concludes this week's episode. Uh, we'll see you next week. Peace out. <laughs>